Good morning. We are in Galatians 5 today in the ice, the ice and the snow and the cold. And I hope you're doing all right today. Um, this section that we're doing is a lot of people memorize it. It's the fruit of the Spirit and it's just really good. But I'm, I'm going to look at it a little differently, just the way I've been going through this this week. Um, there's some stuff in here that's kind of surprising and kind of a shock and a little unexpected. And it's also, some of it's pretty, well, we'll just talk about it. How's that? Uh, one really cool way to study the Bible is to slow it down and you can get you can get it online you can do a google search and find it and it's called a strong's exhaustive concordance and it's exhaustive because it has every single word in the bible in it but it's about that thick it's huge that's why if you do a google search for a strong's concordance it's a little bit easier a little lighter but uh to look at each word and to figure out what Look it up in a Greek. Strong's Concordance has a listing of every word, and then it has a code number, and that code number responds to a Greek word or a Hebrew word in the dictionary in the back. And then you can look up and see what that word means. And what, what was the Greek word for it? And then it gives you a little definition and sometimes a little commentary of how this word was used in the context of the culture. And that can really help you slow down and help you rest and pray and think about the words that you read in the scripture. In Psalm 51, David is repenting from his sin. And he says to God, against you, you alone have I sinned. And David, I mean, he he took back, this is, Psalm 51 is in response to the whole David and Bathsheba event. And so he he stole this man's wife and had a child by her, which died. He killed the man that was married to the woman. Uh, he used his political power and military power. He manipulated all of that. He ordered people to push Uriah to the front so that he would get killed. I mean, this is just corruption. David David used so many people to get what he wanted and get his desires met and be to to live out his selfish drive that he had about Bathsheba. But when he prays in Psalm 51, he says against you, you alone have I sinned? And that, I'm starting out with that as we go into Galatians 5, because everything we do is spiritual. Everything we do has an effect on our souls, whether it's getting that second taco, uh, whether it's deciding who we're going to hate on television or how we're going to respond to the news. All of that is doing something to our souls. And we talked earlier in Galatians that the Holy Spirit is in you. 
Galatians 2, I'm crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And so Christ is alive inside of me. The Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit is inside of me. But at the same time, He is gentle and loving and freedom giving enough that He will let me overpower that Spirit inside of me and do things that I shouldn't. And He still forgives me. <laughs> it doesn't mean I want to do those things. It, it means, wow, I, I'm so free. We're so free. We're reading all this because Paul preached to the Galatians that they were free from everything that the law of Moses could not free them from. And so Jesus has freed us from everything that the law of Moses could not free us from. Free from guilt, free from shame, free from separation from God. We are now free to draw close to God. And so with a mindset that we are free to draw close to God because of the Holy Spirit inside of us, with the mindset of everything we do is spiritual and has an effect on our souls and, and how we relate to God. Let's get into Galatians 5. So when we ended last week, he was talking about if you bite and devour and bicker at each other, you'll devour one another. And that the only thing that matters is faith Showing itself through love. Love compels us from the inside to serve and to care for one another. And so then in Galatians 5.16, he says, Walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the, the, the desires of the flesh. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. God knows how we are wired and how when we want something, we go after it and we don't think of other things. And so Paul is saying, want Jesus, want the Holy Spirit. And as you want the Holy Spirit, oh, I want more Jesus in my life. I want to, I want to be led by him. I want to hear the words of God. As you are led like that, you don't want other stuff. You're not gratifying the desires of the flesh. When I'm in my right mind and I'm thinking the right way, and I think, if I do this, it will help me grow spiritually, it's really easy to think that, right? When I'm not at Five Guys Burgers and Fries, and I'm thinking, if I eat spinach and kale, I will get really healthy. So, I go and I find the spinach and the kale and I eat healthy. If I don't think about it until I get to the burger joint, then I want the double with cheese and bacon and a side, a hot dog on the side because their hot dogs look just crazy. I've never had one of their hot dogs, but they look amazing. You plan ahead. Think ahead. Oh, what do I want? As we want the Holy Spirit and we desire God, we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. The flesh isn't, isn't that your body is bad. Flesh, in the New Testament, when Paul talks about flesh, he's talking about doing things in a way 
that you're doing it yourself. You're not doing it in a way where you're attached to God and you're doing it God's way. If you're not doing it God's way, you're doing it in the flesh. And the flesh, uh, he says elsewhere, the flesh counts for nothing. You're doing things detached from God. And that's what the flesh is. So it's not that, it's not that you know, my body is bad. It's not that uh, the, this physical world is bad. It's that when I, you know, Jesus came into it. Jesus became flesh. Jesus didn't become evil. He became flesh and blood, but he lived in connection, in unity with the Father. And so when we do things in the flesh, we're doing things apart from that unity. We're not listening. We're not tuning our radio to that channel. We're doing things independently. That's gratifying the desires of the flesh. They're obvious, he says. They're opposed to each other. They keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. This isn't a law. He's not about ready to say a bunch of things you shouldn't do because it's against the law. You shouldn't do these things because it's against the thing that your soul and your spirit wants the most, which is unity with God. You want to be close to God. That's what you were created for. That's the yearning you have. Everything we yearn for is God created and then oftentimes sin and flesh broken. You know, um, I, I want to eat delicious food. Oh, I'm craving that. Why? Because I want to be delighted. I want to be pleased. Who's going to please me more than anything? God is going to please me. But if I find a different channel to make it feel like I'm delighted, do I sound hungry? And then I'm going to go for that cheeseburger. Um, I'm using cheeseburger as a silly example, but it applies to lust. It, it applies to greed. Um, all of these things, when we solve that problem without God's help, without not in God's way, that's flesh. And so it's not... Don't do this because you're under a law, but don't do this because God is in you. Christ is in you to, to fulfill all, everything. So don't drag him with you into that burger shop, right? You're not under the law. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Wow, what a list. We're going to go through these one at a time. No, sort of. I don't want to dwell on them. I, I dwelled on them some, and I looked up every one of them. And the Greek word for it, the strongest concordance, and it was really discouraging. Um, not because of these are sinful things, but because of how much this has crept into what is acceptable of Christians. So, as we listen to this, as we listen to what these things are, remember, we're you know, we, we aren't held up to a cultural standard. We aren't, we, Paul isn't writing this to say, you know, as Americans in 2022, don't be as bad as these other people. He's saying, this is it. This is the, the acts of the flesh. 
And some of these are pretty awful. Um, Like sexual immorality, impurity and sensuality. All of those are, there's, there's three different things and they all point to any kind of physical pleasure outside of the way God has ordained and designed. Any kind outside of the way God has ordained and designed. And that means movies. That means pictures on the internet. That's outside. God's design is a husband and wife building a family. <laughs> and, and, and sharing the closest intimacy that reflects the relationship between Christ and the church that's selfless and caring and looks after the other one's best interests that gives up your own interests for the the benefit and the interests of the other person. Any physical pleasure outside of that, I don't even care if you've been married for 30 years. If it's pleasure outside of that, it falls into those things. Sensuality is really crazy. Uh, this, This refers to ridiculous luxury. So, yikes. Like, am I giving, am, am I living the Christian life and showing people the love of Jesus? But at the same time, I am pampering myself in ridiculous luxury. And it's not that there's a law against that. It's that when I am desiring the Holy Spirit and I am running after God, am I solving problems in my flesh by giving myself into ridiculous luxury and sensuality. Idolatry is obvious, right? Bowing down to things. Oh, but wait. (laughs) It's giving a created thing worth and power that only belongs to God. There's a subtle thing. You know, there's people that, that won't play with playing cards, because they're evil. Well, they're not evil. These are just pieces of paper. And I'm not ascribing any power to them. But as soon as you, you know, the, the custom of blowing on some dice before we roll it. Why do we do that? That's spiritual. What in the world? Again, I'm not saying there's a law against dice. There's not a law against cards. There's not a law against any of these things. But, but... Keep on look at why am I giving this credit? Why am I why am I valuing uh, this thing that my my car? Why is is it more important that I not get a scratch on my car than that woman made in the image of God that's pushing her grocery cart in the parking lot and is going to hit my car? As soon as I start to disdain that woman. Because she's not pushing that shopping cart right. And I'm afraid it's going to scratch my car. I'm committing idolatry. Because I put the worth of the paint job on my car as more important than that precious lady that doesn't even know how to drive a shopping cart. (laughs) Idolatry. Am I putting this thing more important than something that, that... I mean, she might even have God... Dwelling in her. Gosh. Sorcery is crazy. This this word, uh, we get the same pharmaceuticals and pharmacy from this word. And it's 
taking drugs to alter your control or your mindset, to, to alter your reality. What? Yes. So people might say the Bible doesn't talk about not doing drugs. There it is. If I want to desire the Holy Spirit and I want to grow in God, I'm not going to use any kind of chemicals to change my state of my mental state so that I can get there. I'm not going to be a slave to that, to that thing. Enmity, strife, jealousy. Whoa, these are crazy, you guys. Enmity, uh, okay, strife is wanting to cause fights. Uh, I make the joke with my son. He's like, so what are you going to do today? I said, I think I'm just going to go on Facebook and just get in some fights. Well, I know people like that. And I don't do that. I say that as a joke. There are people that just want to fight and just want to bring up strife. That's not going to lead you closer to the Holy Spirit. That's not going to lead you in the ways of God looking for a fight. Enmity is putting division between other people and and separating others. And so if I want, if I, you know, it would really benefit me if that person disagreed with that person. This happens in the workplace, right? Where somebody will go to the boss, they want their way, and they'll say, well, so-and-so said you are a scruffy-looking nerf herder and blah, blah, blah. They're sowing enmity between two people and causing pain. No. Jealousy, fits of anger. This is wild. Fits of anger, that Greek word, is onomatopoeia that sounds like the sound of water boiling over. That's not the word. The word's weird. But if, if, I, if I'm liable to get angry like a boiling over pot that erupts, am I, am I seeking after Jesus? Am I trusting Jesus to be present in that person's events, in that person's life, in that person's story? And so when they do something that hurts me, I don't have to bubble over with anger. I don't have to... Whenever, you know, there's people who have done me wrong in the past and have trespassed against me. And when I see them and when I run into them or when I hear about them, I don't have to just erupt with this boiling pot of water. That's not the way of the Holy Spirit. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. These are crazy. These refer to finding ways to make labels to separate myself from someone else. This is a denomination right here. (laughs) Well, we're different from you because we X, Y, Z. That's what a dissension is. We are going to separate from you because we are this. There's another weird nuanced thing in here that involves calling somebody a name that removes their humanity and reduces them to just this common thing. Like just a really tame one, rednecks. If I call somebody a redneck, I just took this person made in the image of God, unique 
special to Jesus, and I lump them into this big old group of people about which I have a low opinion. That's what this rivalries, dissensions, divisions. The worst thing about the word for rivalries is this one this word is for personal gain and and monetary gain. So I'm gonna make you an enemy and I'm gonna draw people around me just so I can get more famous and just so I can get more money. Just so I can grow in my in my luxury and my wealth and my op you know all the other things. Gosh, may we not do this, you guys. This, this, just like I said, this whole thing brought me down because it just sounds like stuff that's so common in in churches in Christendom. Envy is terrible. Envy in here, envy isn't just I want what you want. It's I'm mad at you because you have what you have. This is a, a big struggle for me to just to be honest. Is envy. When I want the Holy Spirit, when I'm seeking after God, I'm going to, wow, the Lord moved in that person's life. The Lord helped them. The Lord is really showing that person a lot of mercy. And I can see that work of God. Envy is when God works, but I don't see God working. I just see that person's benefit. And, oh, I don't want them to have that benefit. I don't want them to have that thing. Isn't that rotten? Isn't that horrible? What does that do to your soul? If you, if you oh, I wish they wouldn't have won that. Or I wish they wouldn't have had that blessing. But I wouldn't use the word blessing, right? Because I'm not spirit-minded when I'm thinking that way. Drunkenness. Orgies and like things like these. These are all out-of-control things. Uh, it's not, you know, there's no law against, there's, there's no law against alcohol. There's no law against uh, skiing downhill on a ski slope. But why would you want to intentionally put yourself in a spot where you aren't in control? And you can't make your best decisions. And you can't have wisdom. The book of James says, ask for wisdom. Why would I want to deliberately do something that would make me not have wisdom? (laughs) Again, all of these things, we can't make laws out of them. That's just how we invent religion that just embitters people away from God. Instead, when we're led by the Spirit, we want the Holy Spirit. We're not going to do these things. We're we're not going to do it. And the joy is that our sins are forgiven. There's no law against these things. If you have done these things, if you did these things this morning, Jesus forgives you and he wants you to seek after him. He wants you to run after him with all of your might. And he is freeing you from all of these things. That's why we don't live by them. That's why we should not be doing these things. We should not be separating. If the whole rival, or the rivalries and dissensions and divisions, if I call you a Democrat, if I call you a Republican, I just took all of the beauty of who God made you to be and lumped you into a lump of people. And I might not like those people, either side. That's terrible. 
That is not what, when I'm running towards the Holy Spirit, I'm looking at you and Christ is in you or Christ might yet to be formed in you. But he, I'm holding out a hope that he will be. And, and, oh, oh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I've warned you and I've warned you before. Things, people who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you're running after all of those things, you're not running after Christ. If you're running after Christ, even if you're doing a terrible job of it, <laughs> you're, you're longing, you're being drawn by the Holy Spirit to live by the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. This is in Galatians 5.22. This is what happens when you run after the Holy Spirit, when you desire the Holy Spirit, this is the stuff that comes out. If I really want to be in the Olympics, I really want to be in the Olympics, and I go after it, and I do the things that will help me be in the Olympics, there's going to be an outcome of that. I'm probably going to get healthier. I'm probably not going to eat the double cheeseburger with bacon at Five Guys Burgers and Fries. <laughs> Probably won't. I'm probably going to, you know, there's going to be fruit. There's going to be outcomes of my life that are going to happen as I run after the Holy Spirit. Oh, as I try to be in the Olympics. Here are the outcomes. So I've been a spectator of the church growth movement for as probably as long as I've been a Christian, longer than I even knew it. People measure churches by all kinds of things. Butts and bucks, right? The money in the offering and the number of people in the pews. And uh, people use that as a measure. Using stuff like that as the measure of how great a church is has gotten us into the mess that we're in. That that whole big list that I just read, that the church people do all of those things. And it's normal and acceptable in our culture for them to do those things. That's terrible. What if the measure of our growth as a Christian is how much other people see the fruit of the Holy Spirit coming out of our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What if the measure of our spiritual growth was based on how much we are growing in those things. Love, guess what that love is? It's love, it's agape love. It's, it's going to cost me. It is at my expense. I'm going to love you. It's the, the Old Testament word is hesed. Love. I'm going to love you even if it hurts me. That is not a characteristic that I would use to describe the Christian church in America. I'm going to show you love if it costs me pain or money or luxury or freedom. I'm going to show you love. That is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's an outcome of the Holy Spirit in your life. Joy. Joy needs no definition. It means happy. Uh, am I showing forth in my life that I am happy? 
regardless of my circumstances, regardless of, of, of what my enemies got, regardless of the blessings that's happening to people that I don't like. Joy. Peace. Remember the whole thing of as angry as a pot boiling over? Think about a pot of water when you're boiling your spaghetti and you put too much water in there and it's just... This is the opposite of that. Peace. Patience. There's a lot of translations that translate this word patience as long-suffering. Am I going to be patient and wait for God to do something? Am I going to be impatient and stop my suffering? Am I going to be short-suffering, right? I'm not going to suffer. I'm not putting up with this, right? Patience. Kindness, goodness. Kindness and goodness. Really funny thing is that these, uh, in their definitions, have to do with the words that we say. So are the words that are flowing out of our mouths marked by kindness? I hope, I hope you know somebody like this. I know, I know a couple people like this where, gosh, that person, I could tell them that I just did the most horrible, awful, terrible thing. And they would be so friendly and kind to me. Uh, kindness. If the Holy Spirit, if I am running after the Holy Spirit and I desire the Holy Spirit, then whatever somebody else does is not going to hurt me. Because God is working. And all of a sudden, whatever would take away my kindness. Remember, I said, everything we do affects our soul. And the whole David saying, against you alone, God, you alone have I sinned. If I'm unkind and I'm angry at somebody... I bet I can trace that back to me being selfish, to me wanting what I want and telling God, stay out of this situation. I want to handle this myself. That's where unkindness comes from. Faithfulness. I am confident that God is at work in this situation. I am confident. I believe the Lord is here and he's working. Gentleness and self-control. Gentleness is really cool. You know what? I'm a tough guy and I'm going to do it myself. That is not gentleness. I'm going to show them a thing or two. That's not gentleness. Gentleness has a lot to do with approachability. Being able to come up to somebody and to talk to them versus being afraid of them. this, this word, gentleness, and it goes along with self-control, in Greek writings, they referred to a very well-tamed, helpful horse or a bull as having this quality of gentleness. That it was a bull that would, that would pull your plow and you could, you could use it in your field and you could work it and you didn't have to be afraid of it. A bull. (laughs) And self-control. There's no more room for us to say, I can't help it. There's no more room for us to say, "I, I, I just, I couldn't help myself. The Holy Spirit gives us power to have self-control. 
And if we feel like we don't have self-control, that's your red flag right there to run after Jesus. To just point at Jesus. Because as we run after Him, we don't do the deeds of the flesh. It's not a law. It's not rules. Your sins are forgiven. But this is the outcome of your life. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I'm not an animal. I don't run after every single thing I want now. Because I have everything I want in Jesus. And so that that changes my reactions. That changes my drive. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited. Don't think that you're awesome because you're able to do all this stuff. It's God working in you and God is awesome. Don't provoke one another and don't envy one another. He, he says that again. Don't turn all of this into a big mess and a big set of rules. Just run after Jesus. And that is the point of Galatians 5. Take some time this week and just pray Pray through. Say, Lord, it says the same thing in Psalm 51. Show me my hidden faults. Show me. It says it in Psalm 19 too. Reveal in me all the ways that that don't help me run towards you. Show me those things and increase the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. Let that be our prayer. God bless you.